You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you're a 415er, 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of the 415ers podcast. Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy with you as always, three times a week, Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. What is going on, Mark? How are you doing? Despite uh, maybe not having to lock in on the 49ers on Sunday for once in a while. Yeah, I'm doing well, Evan. How are you? Uh, yeah, not a not a Niner football weekend, but it was quite the weekend around the NFL. A lot of crazy games going on Saturday and Sunday with implications for the 49ers. So, yeah, not a, not a Niner weekend, but still plenty to keep an eye on throughout the weekend. Yeah, a lot of football, obviously, that was played across Thursday, beginning with the 49ers, and then Saturday and Sunday as well. Uh, so a lot of interesting matchups. For the 49ers, of course, they are fixated on the NFC. And right now, uh, after a, a Sunday or Saturday thriller between uh, oh the Vikings and the Colts, technically, Mark, your prediction is, is not um, has not come to fruition just yet. But it felt like it was teetering on the side of the 49ers becoming the two seed. That was the game that everyone had their eyes on, I think. And uh, it just so happened to me, maybe the second most exciting finish of the weekend i mean i think the biggest winner from sunday was matt ryan and jeff saturday and the colts because suddenly everyone forgot about their 33 nothing blow up (laughs) they were up 33 nothing at halftime against the vikings and they managed to lose that game 39 to 36 but because of the way a couple other games ended specifically a game in Las Vegas. I think everyone's quickly forgetting about that Colts uh, catastrophe, despite the fact that it was incredible. And yeah, I mean, I've said multiple times, I think the the Vikings aren't nearly as good as their record. I think the Niners will pass them before the season is over. They would have done that right now if the Vikings weren't able to come back from 33 points down. The Niners would be the two seed in the NFC as it stands right now. But that'll have to wait at least another week. I'm still pretty confident it's going to happen. Niners will have the tiebreaker over the Vikings. So if the Vikings just lose one more game, the Niners the rest of the way, the Niners are your two seed in the NFC. So they don't have it under their own power. They need just a little bit of help. But it's still right there for them. Well, and I, I want to dig into that a little bit deeper because I, I have a question for the people that I, I think is pretty interesting. We're, of course, going to dig into maybe some of what the Niners do and don't need to prove the rest of the way. Um, maybe what you saw first look on Sunday night against the 49ers' next opponent in, in Washington. But taking the NFC picture right now, Eagles won yesterday, so they're 13-3, and three, still in the one seed, uh, 25-20 over the Bears. 13-1, pardon me. Sorry. And, uh, of course, the Bills is 
as we talked talked about or talked about coming back on the Colts, and then right now the Niners are the three seed with Dallas uh, losing, kind of in miraculous fashion to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Mark, my my question, and we can get into all these games if you want. But my question specifically about the Vikings, and this is not necessarily aimed at you. It's more for people that are understandably doubters of this team and its playoff potential. But if you pull off the greatest comeback in the history of the National Football League, can you still be fraudulent? Uh, I'm, I, I would uh, fire back at you by saying that a true real 11 and three team would not get down 33 nothing at halftime to the lifeless indianapolis colts are you kidding me and i know that there were a lot of strange plays there were defensive scores special team scores i I read something somewhere that the colts offense in the first half despite the fact that they put up 33 points actually had a negative epa uh, their offense had a negative EPA in the first half, despite building a 33 nothing lead. So it tells you it was kind of a, a fluky half of football. But still, if you are the Vikings, 11 and three, any other team is 11 and three. And everyone's talking about how they are a legitimate Super Bowl, you know, contender. They're one of the best teams in the NFL, but no one really feels that way. Everyone is just kind of waiting for the Vikings to flounder. And that's why everyone at halftime was getting off all their, well, the Niners are the two seed tweets. It's it's happening officially. And and they all have to take those back. All of that said, I will say credit the Vikings, credit Kirk Cousins. He had an incredible second half to lead them back and to get a win that they desperately needed. Um, It's an impressive comeback. No doubt. The biggest comeback you know, in NFL history, only what the second time when a team has been trailing by 30 points, they've come back to win the game ever. Uh, but you shouldn't get down by that much in the first place. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Although I will say, I think of the 33 points, the Indianapolis Colts scored one offensive touchdown. It was, <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Like they, they could have put up probably 60 in that game. Like if they had had any sort of, uh, any sort of offense, any sort of defense, but <laughs> Jeff Saturday, that's an L. But honestly, if I mean, if we're being real, that feels like a, a come from behind loss that uh, a first year head coach with no head, head coaching experience is probably destined for at some point. Yeah. But I, I just thought it was interesting. Like, yeah, Kirk Cousins is I wouldn't consider him you know, a, a captain comeback kid in, in, in any sense of the term. And yet this guy's got like seven game winning drives this year (laughs) because the Vikings are constantly coming from behind. And now, Mark, finally, finally this season, they have a positive point differential. Wow, that's big for the Vikings. We'll see how long it lasts. I was curious how this game was going to shake out because it was a Saturday game, standalone game, no other game going on. Shut up, Jeff. It, it was the first game, true. It was the first game of the of the three on Saturday. Uh, so what started at, at 10 or, or something like that? I, I think yeah, because your, your, your text started coming in around noon. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I, once the comeback happened, I, I started rooting for my fantasy team only and, and not my uh, not my my Niners hopes for the two seed. Mm, um yes. But I was I was wondering, is this considered a primetime game? Because primetime Kirk Cousins, as we know, is the worst quarterback in NFL history. 
Uh, and he looked like it in the first half, but second half uh, was not primetime Kirk Cousins. So uh, Vikings, I don't know how you did it, but you did it 39-36. You win in overtime. Uh, and they had a they had a, a touchdown taken away from them as well. They ended up getting it and tying it. But after the Colts fumbled, the, the Vikings picked up the ball and, and ran it all the way back for a touchdown. Uh, but they didn't call it a fumble on the field, and they blew the play dead on a review. It was a fumble, but since they blew the whistles and blew the play dead, they could not uh, allow the, the the return for a touchdown to stand. So it looked like the Vikings were going to, you know, get a really tough break, but they end up scoring anyway and tie the game and force overtime, and they win, and the rest is history. So kudos, Minnesota, for winning a game you should have won. Um, but maybe this is something that, that kind of wakes them up because you don't often come from behind by 33 to win a game. No, and not often as you kind of laid out, you fall behind by 33 points yeah. in a game. Uh, as far as the rest of the NFC teams, again, yeah, the Eagles are still at the top. The The Cowboys lost to the Jaguars, and that, that was a, a thrilling game as well, Mark. Um, I don't know necessarily how it how it affects how I look at Dallas though, because honestly, I like I, I thought Jacksonville was going to be a lot better than it was or that it's performed so far this year. But they're they're kind of a feisty team and and one that is now beginning to heat up with Trevor Lawrence. Like he threw like four touchdowns yesterday, um, and then of course the Sunday nightcap game with now the team that the Niners would be playing if the playoffs started today, and the New York Giants beating up on the Washington Commanders. Um, did, did you kind of see anything or take anything away from those games as far as, you know, playoff positioning, um, teams that you did and didn't fear before? Did anything really change at all for you as far as the 49ers are concerned? Uh, specifically about the Giants and Commanders, no. I don't think the Niners are scared of either of them, uh, assuming that's the first-round matchup, which is, is very likely considering Dallas has uh, basically a two-game edge on on the six on the six seeded giants at the moment, they're relatively locked into the five. Um, and then it's just a matter of who's six and who's seven uh, giants. Washington is how it currently stands. Then Seattle and Detroit, Detroit, suddenly seven and seven, the fight and damn Dan Campbell's don't, uh, don't forget about them. They have a chance to, to make the playoffs for the first time in a while. But no, I mean, I don't think the Niners should be too scared of the Giants or Washington. That would be a home game in the first round. Uh, even if the Niners get up to the two seed, they'll likely, you know, still play one of Giants or Washington. Again, the other opportunities, the other possibilities are Seattle and Detroit. I think with the Niners defense, any of those teams aren't going to be scoring many points against the 49ers. Maybe the one exception is Detroit. They can really put up points. Um, and they are quality defenses, but the Niners get to be at home. Um, and they're going to be, you know, prepping for, for a game like that uh, for a while, knowing, knowing who's their potential opponent. So I, I didn't really see anything that scares me all too much. The Giants front yesterday really beat up Washington's offensive line. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, the, the rookie, was incredible. He had a strip sack that they returned for a touchdown. Um, but, no, I, I don't think the Niners should be all too scared of that. And the first round isn't really going to make a difference whether you're the two or the three. It's who you might play in the second round of the playoffs where that comes that comes to fruition. So, first round, uh, I don't think the Niners have too much to worry about. Yeah, I, I did see kind of a running theme throughout some of these games, which is, and not all of them were, were cold weather games. I mean, we're looking at New York, Detroit, they're outside. 
Um, we're looking at Philly and Chicago. That's a cold weather game. But I do think we're starting to see, as maybe was previewed a bit on Thursday by the 49ers, just how important the running game becomes at this point in the season, which would be another reason to feel good about San Francisco and its chances to potentially make a deep playoff run. But when it comes to running backs, you know, there were some big days yesterday. And there was also, look, if I'm looking at Philly and Chicago, there are a couple of big running games by quarterbacks. And so I think that's something we're also going to have to keep an eye on when it comes to, look, how are the 49ers going to be matching up, fairing, uh, trying to game plan for some of these game wreckers that are in the backfield. Philadelphia, obviously, Jalen Hurts didn't throw the ball all that well, but had three rushing scores. Um, looking around the league, I mean, Detroit and New York, that, that was a bit more of a slugfest than I think a lot of people who do or don't watch the Lions were kind of accustomed to. Uh, the Cowboys do love to run the football to try and take the ball, I think, late, especially out of the hands of Dak Prescott, who was uh, a bit up and down. And that defense, of course, gave up 40 points to a Jacksonville team that I think is is pretty good. It's finding a stride, but you know, might be a year away, just depending on on how they started. Um, even teams like the Chiefs, Mark, are really using both of their running backs, Isaac Pacheco, and then Jerick McKinnon had another big day for Kansas City. So it, it does seem like, whether it be because of the weather has turned, whether because teams are starting to try and play more physically and impose their physicality on opponents, um, the running game has become, I think, maybe even more prevalent than it was early on this season when we saw the offenses and overall point totals go down. Yeah, I agree with you. And we've talked about this uh, a number of times throughout the season. I remember having conversations about, you know, are the Niners kind of built for postseason football? And I think we had a little bit of a disagreement, but I think we generally both agree that the Niners tend to be better at the things that you you usually need to do well in the postseason, run the ball and and play defense. Um and, you know, on the flip side of running the ball, it's being able to stop the run. And recently, the Niners have been really good at that as well. Part of that is because they've built some leads. But you look at the last three games, uh, Miami totally got away from the run. Same thing with Tampa Bay. And in Seattle, Kenneth Walker, their fantastic rookie running back, had some success, had one relatively big run. But besides that, did not run the ball all too well either. So, you know, postseason football, as you mentioned, you get in cold weather games, you're playing against really good defenses that that limit the passing attack. And, and for the Niners specifically, you're being led by a rookie quarterback who doesn't have much experience. Throwing the ball might be tough. So you're going to have to lean on your run game. And Niners have been really good at that. And then, of course, on the flip side, limit a- opponents run game. And, and they've been good at that as well. So I think the Niners Still a a few weeks here before they get into the postseason, but I think the Niners are set up as well as any team in terms of what they're doing well at this moment, which is usually what you need to to do well for postseason success. I think they're set up really well heading into the postseason. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you right there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, this is the 415ers podcast coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Please feel free to download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate all ratings, five stars especially. Evan Giddings and Mark Randy with you. And... Um, you know, Mark, it, it is funny. Like we were kind of talking about, um, you know, the, the large comeback by the Vikings. And I, I think Saturday had outside of the Browns Ravens, probably the best, you know, two, three game slate of a certain slot, especially compared to some of the 10 a.m. games from Sunday. But but the game that, of course, made you forget really just about every ridiculous finish that there's been this season <laughs> Kind of seems to revolve recently around the Las Vegas Raiders and boy, did it ever yesterday because I, I don't know if you got to catch the entirety of that game. I, I tapped in about at halftime after the Raiders went up 17, three and then blew the lead, got the lead or tied the lead. And then the last play of the game might be the most ridiculous thing I have seen in recent memory with the Patriots. Essentially all they had to do is run out the clock uh, I think it was Ramondre Stevenson just, you know, took a run up the middle and then starts to lateral it. And you're wondering, all right, when's he going to fall down? When is this thing going to go to overtime? And then Jacoby Myers turns around and fires a rocket into what was once uh. the backfield. And Chandler Jones is sitting there with, I mean, essentially an interception, fumble, whatever you want to call it, plucks it up with two hands, turns around puts Mac Jones through the bottom of the turf at Allegiant Stadium <laughs> and then runs all the way for a touchdown to win the game in the final seconds. Like, I know the Raiders have been on a, a lot of opposite ends of the stick this season, but that might be the most ridiculous Raiders finish I have seen in recent memory, as well as the worst Bill Belichick-led team finish I have ever seen, probably in my entire life. Well, it was a, a few years ago when they were in Miami and Miami had that lateral play that went for the touchdown. I think it was Kenyon Drake, the, the walk off right. in the final second. Um, and that I don't think that was a tie game. I think the the Dolphins were behind and that touchdown not only you know got them even, but it put them on top and they won as they walked off. And then this one. Yeah, um, I mean incredible. Jacoby Myers, what are you doing? You mentioned Ramondre Stevens and it was a run. Uh, I mean, based on that play call, Bill Belichick is telling you we're playing for overtime. We're not taking a risk. We're not trying to throw a Hail Mary and maybe some madness happens with an interception and a return. We're just get to overtime, you know, and, and we'll try to win it in overtime and, and, and get out of here with a win and, and improve to to eight and six. But no, Jacoby Myers and, and he copped to it in the in the locker room after the game. He handled it really well. Just said I was trying to do too much, trying to be a hero and. You don't say. <laughs> a terrible, terrible mistake. Cost the Patriots a win. It could ultimately cost them a playoff spot. I mean, they're now 7-7. Seven and seven. They're out of the playoff picture as it stands uh, right now. And uh, the, uh, the the Raiders, their playoff only 
alive, not not a great chance uh, at six and eight, but yes, an incredible ending to a game. And there were so, so many crazy endings in week 15. That game could have been headed for overtime. It should have been headed for overtime. There were other overtime games, the Colts Vikings game that we talked about. The Chiefs and Texans somehow went to overtime as well with the Chiefs coming out on top. Uh, it was a, a wild weekend of football. And the Cowboys-Jaguars also overtime, as we talked about earlier. Uh, but no ending more incredible than the Raiders-Patriots. I could not believe what I saw. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, Detroit's Detroit and New York's game probably could have gone to overtime. I know the Titans yeah. and the Chargers probably could have gone to overtime. Um, I mean, there there were some, yeah, there were some crazy games. And it also makes me look at some of the ugly losses. And th- this is actually one thing I, I do think that the 49ers maybe don't get as much credit for just because of, of their style of play and just how hot they've been recently. But the 49ers don't, like, last half of the season don't really have any clunkers. Like I know that their season didn't begin well and there could be made excuses for that when it comes to the quarterback position or the rotating cast of quarterbacks at the beginning of the season, some of the injuries that the 49ers faced and every team is going to go through injuries. But I would say Mark after honestly, after the Falcons loss, like I, I don't even know if there's a game where you could really, come down the Niners road. Maybe New Orleans was, wasn't a great performance, but of course they still won and shut out fashion, but I'm looking at Tampa Bay who somehow inexplicably is still in first place in the NFC South. <laughs> like they get rolled on by the Bengals after going up early. That was a loss at home where they just got thrashed. Um, the, I mean, well, I guess we're not even talking about the Cardinals anymore, but a, a loss to the Broncos just feels like a, a, a terrible, terrible loss. Uh, the Chiefs nearly lost to who I would proclaim to be the best one-win team I've ever seen in the NFL, in the Houston Texans. And then, like, not not even the Eagles looked supremely dominant, even though I felt like the entire time they were going to win that game. It, I mean, Miami and, and Buffalo, I was starting to have second thoughts about the Dolphins. Like, the 49ers at this point, I, I think to me, if you were going to look at where they stack up in the NFC or even around the rest of, of football, if you're telling me that they're a top three team, maybe even a top two team, to me, it comes down to like, they don't really have any sure holes in their roster, but holes in their resume, especially the last, I would say, seven to eight games where you're looking at them. And, and as far as teams that are peaking, that are playing their best, they're probably right at the top. Yeah. And well, I mean, a, a seven game win streak certainly helps with that. And, you know, the the closest what closest game in those seven games was a six point win against the Chargers. So you've you've won by a touchdown or more just about every single time. The defense has been incredible and and the offense, especially lately, has been pretty good as well. Um, I think you can kind of split the Niners season into two different parts, and it's basically you know, right around week seven, which was when they acquired Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you know, first six weeks, they're three and three. They acquire Christian McCaffrey. He has a short week to get ready for Kansas City. Plays, but, you know, doesn't get his normal touches. They lose. They're three and four. Then with, you know, kind of full Christian McCaffrey, they go to Los Angeles. They dominate the Rams. He has the trifecta performance with a passing, rushing, and receiving touchdown. A bye week. 
And now the Niners have won six straight games after that bye week. And again, all by six points or more. Uh, so that first half of the season, it's it's pre and post McCaffrey. And to your point, post McCaffrey, Evan, the Niners have been as consistent as anyone in the NFL, probably more consistent. I mean, they are the hottest team in football right now, winners of seven straight uh, on both sides of the ball. Defensively, we know about how special they are. Offensively, they've put up 30 or more points three of their last five games. They pushed 40 once on that Monday game in Mexico City against Arizona. Uh, This is a team that is uh, clicking on all cylinders right now. And I agree with you. If, If you look over the last two months, there has not been a better team in the NFL. You, you look at the win streak, and that might be obvious to you, but there are uh, other teams, like the, the Eagles only have one loss to this point, you know, over those over that same stretch. They have one loss this season, and it happened in the last month, two months. But you look at their game yesterday, as you mentioned, against Chicago. Didn't really feel like they were in danger, but they were a, a bad break, a bounce of the ball away from losing that game. After their loss to the Commanders, what, about a month ago now, they followed that up and should have lost to the Colts in Indianapolis. They kind of escaped out of that one with the win. They should have lost that one. So they've had some clunkers. Not all of them have cost them wins, but they've had some bad performances. But the Niners, meanwhile, are just steadily, you know, churning out wins, churning out points and, and holding the opponents to less than 17 points every single week out. So um, I'm with you, Evan. The Niners, uh, during this win streak, during the last eight weeks in the in the post-McCaffrey era, or I guess the McCaffrey era, but the post-McCaffrey acquisition era, the, they're, to me, by far the best team in the NFL. Yeah, I do think you can make a case that there are some teams perhaps starting to get hot and peaking at the right time. I know the Niners have the longest win streak currently, but when you look at teams that have strung together five or more, you're looking obviously at Philadelphia, who I think will probably be peaking in the next week or two as they begin to get some of their guys back off IR and get even healthier than they already were. Uh, Buffalo, who... Look, I, I mean, that, that game in the snow on Saturday against Miami was an incredibly fun game, uh, but I think showed both where Buffalo has a few holes as well as also uh, I think their defense is beginning to sort of step up. Um, but the, the the only other team, honestly, Mark, that I could say is, has a, a case in this conversation would be the Cincinnati Bengals. They're playing and great. this is kind of what they did a little bit last year even more so um, in, in a lot of ways, they've kind of followed a, a 49ers script each of the past two seasons where they've started start, started off slow. I think this year they were four and four before they, they, yeah, I guess strung together these last six wins. Um, but last year, Joe Burrow and his extremely talented wide receiving core and offense has always sort of been there. They've been, they've been, I would say like the 49ers defense, they've been the consistent part of this team although Burrow has had some ups and downs this year. But then when that defense starts to come along, just like the Fort Anders offense, as we talked about when they acquired McCaffrey, has started to come along, you see the the two sides of the football you know, moving in cohesion a lot more, I think, than the beginning of the season. So although Cincinnati probably didn't deal with as many injuries outside of, I would say, to Jamar Chase, um, they're the only other team mark that I can think of right now. And of course you're luckily because they don't play in the same conference as you, but when it comes to teams that are peaking, 
Uh, I'm looking at the AFC as teams that are starting to find their stride. Meanwhile, in the NFC, it seems like there's a lot of teams that are kind of just limping to the finish line. I mean, even Minnesota, like the, the, you're right, like they won this weekend, but barely probably should have lost. And then even the rock fight that's been going on in the NFC East, it's like the Cowboys lose on a walk off pick six uh, Philly wins by a score Chicago, New York and Washington feels like they're slugging it out between each other for those last couple of playoff spots. And San Francisco will get Washington next weekend. Um, but right now, if you're looking around the NFC, like, like this is where I do think that fans should begin to become hopeful. And, and I want to ask you a question in a second, but I'm curious where you're at when it comes to the 49ers and the NFC picture, because I, th- I think the only thing withstanding for me from putting the Niners as the number one team in the NFC is just the Eagles record and the fact that they've done it all year. But what I've seen from them, even across this five game winning streak has not necessarily been a team of, you know, don- like if they end up going 16 and one, which is very uh, likely or reasonable. Um, even then, I don't know if I would feel like the Eagles should be, you know, more than a field goal favorite in a game at home against San Francisco. Yeah. Um, I I think the NFC is is really interesting because you have kind of the, the, the two teams that everyone kind of widely believes are the two best teams in, in the conference in Philadelphia and San Francisco. As it stands right now, they're not one and two in the standings. We've talked a lot about Minnesota right now. They are currently number two and a lot of people don't even think minnesota is the third best team of the conference you have dallas who is not going to win their division because the philadelphia eagles have just one loss they're all the way down in the five spot because again they will not be a division winner and and that sets up interesting second round matchups because let's assume for a second that dallas beats tampa bay uh and, and i guess first of all we're First of all, we're assuming that Tampa Bay wins the NFC South, which is far from a sure thing right now because you have Tampa at six and eight and then everyone else, Carolina, New Orleans and Atlanta at five and nine. So there's still a lot that can happen over the final three weeks. But let's just assume Dallas beats whoever comes out of the NFC South. They're going to have to do it on the road. Dallas is because they will not have have won their division. Say the Niners beat the Giants and Minnesota beats Washington. That means Dallas would be heading to Philadelphia and San Francisco heads to Minnesota. The Niners, I am pretty positive, would be favored on the road in Minnesota over the Vikings if that were the case. And then it, it might be a pick for the 49ers in Philadelphia if, if those results hold. Uh, so you have a situation where uh, you know, you're going to have a couple of home teams probably losing or being underdogs in, in in the NFC playoffs, which, you know, considering the fact that there's generally one weaker division that sometimes happens, but for, for the, for the two seed to be uh, an underdog in their second playoff game, isn't all that common. Um, I, I think it just speaks to uh, one, how, how obviously quality the Niners are, but two, how, how much people, I don't know, failed to believe in the Minnesota Vikings and and how generally uninspiring they have been. Maybe that changes again after their incredible uh, win against the Colts. Uh, But I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I I think the Niners are to this point, you know, far and away. There's the the Eagles, maybe a a little bit of a break until the 49ers. 
and then a pretty big break off before you get to the Cowboys or the Vikings, whichever team you prefer. I think there's a clear top two, a bit of room, and then everyone else. And and the Cowboys recently, they haven't been playing that well. They, they should have lost to the Texans last week. They lost to the Jaguars this week. I think they still scare me more than Minnesota because of their defense, Evan. But no, I, I think uh, at this point, if you're the 49ers and you fail to get to the NFC championship game, even if that means winning on the road in Minnesota, you're going to be very upset at yourself. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Interesting. I want to jump off that in a second. But first, remind everyone to download, rate, and subscribe to the 415ers podcast three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Feel free to follow us on social media, 415ers, uh, on all social media platforms, eGinnings10, Mark Randy, Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. Well, so that, that kind of takes me to my next place, Mark, of like with the 49ers and having to, I guess, prove themselves. It feels like the last place they can do that would be in the postseason since they've already punched their ticket. Um, I do think that there's a look, there, there's two more opponents left in their schedule. I'd say that that should be difficult or test, so to speak. I think that this weekend with Washington, who in my opinion would have, you know, a name in the hat for the best front four in football. And then the Raiders who are never going to be an easy out as we've seen this entire <laughs> season especially this weekend but it sounds like with the way things are shaping up in the nfc and i i've begun to feel this sentiment from a lot of fans that i've, I've seen on social media as well it does feel like there is going to be disappointment if this team does not at least get to the conference title game which is wild to think of with a rookie quarterback that took over just three weeks ago but I'm sort of in that place as well, just because of how good this team has looked along with how I'll say not not fragile, but beatable. A lot of the other top teams in the NFC, even Philadelphia included, has looked in recent weeks. This 49ers team does feel like to me back in a place where I was with before Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt of NFC title gamer bust. It sounds like you're there, too. 100 percent. If the Niners do not get to the NFC Championship game, they will be very frustrated with themselves. You get to that point, it's a coin flip. Who knows what happens? Uh, maybe you win on the road in Philadelphia in January in frigid conditions. Maybe you get lucky and, and Dallas upsets Philadelphia in the, the second round of the NFC playoffs and you host an NFC Championship game. Who knows what happens at that point? But if the Niners do not handle business and beat two of you know some combination of 
Giants, Washington, Seattle, Detroit, and then Minnesota potentially, they're going to be really upset at themselves. I think I would rather play Minnesota than Dallas in a second round playoff game. What becomes tricky is then, you know, where is that game? I, I think if if you could guarantee me Dallas at home in Santa Clara instead of Minnesota on the road in Minneapolis, I'd probably choose Dallas. But just the opponents by themselves, I'd rather play Minnesota. So with that said, if the Niners are unable to handle business, win two playoff games, one of which on the road, the other or one of which at home, the other of which probably against a Minnesota team who you would be favored against, uh, I think it's a failure for the 49ers. And whether that's fair or not doesn't really matter. You have a rookie quarterback. I know it's difficult to win a playoff game, let alone two, but you have the best defense in football. You have the best weapons in football, and uh, you should be able to win two playoff games considering how you're playing right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. If the Niners are unable to get to the NFC title game, and I think anything beyond that, you know, it, it's again, it's a flip of a coin. Things can can go poorly and, and go or go your way just based on random luck at, at points like that. But if you're unable to get to that game, I think Niner fans and the Niners themselves will view this as a as a disappointing postseason. Yeah, it's interesting to think about compared to we were just a few weeks ago, because I do think that, look, the 49ers have reason to believe, as we've laid out, that between them and Philadelphia or after them, like there's just a chasm between those top two teams and the rest in the NFC. Where I'm at with the 49ers and sort of those, those expectations for this team right now is I do think that I would be disappointed in the team. And I know that the quarterback position is always one that comes first, but I don't know if I can necessarily be disappointed with Brock Purdy. Because, look, I mean, if if he goes on the road and throws four picks and they get absolutely hogwashed by, I don't know, Minnesota, or they take a loss at home because Brock Purdy plays poorly, then we might be having a different conversation. But at the same time, because of what the expectations are for him, or I guess him as, you know, a, like an, an entity, as a seventh-round pick, as Mr. Irrelevant, I, it, to, to me, look, I am, I've been waiting for the rookie moment to come, and it hasn't so far. I think maybe in, in certain spots you've seen glimpses of a quarterback that's made mistakes, but I think that happens with every single quarterback. And, I mean, look, Jalen Hurts threw two interceptions this weekend. And I, I just think that Brock Purdy is in a position where, to me, even though the team itself isn't playing with house money, and I do think should be expected to get to the conference title game. I also don't think that I can expect Brock Purdy to go out and win a playoff game. I think he can do everything he's done so far, which is put the Niners in a position to win in the playoffs. But Mark, I, I, I and maybe this will shift depending on, look, if the Niners have to come from behind sometime in the next three weeks and Brock Purdy shows you a bit of that clutch gene which he hasn't had to do so far because I don't think that's what the Niners need him to do nor want him to do at this point. It's simply make sure that the boat gets from dock to dock because you're rolling around with two rows of cannon fire that no other <laughs> ship in the sea can offer at this point. Like, so I, if, if, if that makes sense with the team, I have 
expectations of them to reach the title game, but Brock Purdy himself, I guess I don't necessarily expect much from him. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, and I, I think I agree. I think kind of to, to further that point, if you're looking at what the Niners can maybe prove or show that maybe gives you more confidence heading into the postseason, like what can they do over these next three weeks, right? You have the Washington Commanders, the Las Vegas Raiders, and then the Arizona Cardinals. What can they do in those three games to maybe up your confidence level heading into the postseason? That they could get to the, the NFC title game. To your point, I think it's simply just prove to us or at least give us more evidence that what Brock Purdy is doing is sustainable. Like what you said, we're all kind of waiting and almost expecting to see him look like a rookie quarterback. He hasn't just yet. Again, there has been a couple of moments. The, the dropped interception by Quandre Diggs for the Seahawks stands out in my mind. But really, it's it's pretty slim pickings for terrible mistakes, bad decisions that Brock Purdy has made. So one thing that I'm looking at over the next three weeks as the Niners get ready for the postseason and try to claim that two seed in the NFC is, is this really who Brock Purdy is or have we just seen the best three-game stretch you could possibly hope for from him? If if these next three games come and go and Brock Purdy looks relatively you know, similar, he's not turning the ball over all these you know, throwing for around 200 yards, at least a touchdown a game, and he's converting a big third down with his legs, and he's generally playing with the same poise and moxie as he did in Seattle. If all those things keep happening over the next three weeks, I think your confidence level jumps, and maybe that's when the point you're talking about, you know, the Niners aren't playing with house money. They are expected to perform in the postseason, but the quarterback, it's a different story. Those two things are kind of separate. But I think there's a chance if Brock Purdy continues to to play how he has over these next three weeks, maybe that gap kind of, you know, gets closer. It it decreases just a little bit because at that point, you'd be just a, a little bit more confident in who Brock Purdy actually is. Yeah, and I think I'd be confident in the 49ers because really the only thing that you could make an argument that they have a lesser you know, value added a certain position compared to other top teams would be quarterback. I think that, and and we've sort of touched on this throughout this episode and recent ones, but even though maybe Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott have postseason experience, a lot of people would hold that, I think, against them because of their prior playoff experience. So Brock Purdy is still largely an unknown, but he looks to be a guy that is going to, you know, maintain whatever composure or poise that Kyle Shanahan, you know, praised him for on Thursday into a big playoff atmosphere. And, and, and I do think that also is why, look, if, if you're telling me that the 49ers have to go on the road before the conference championship, I do think that game would be a lot more even in my eyes, just because of the type of atmosphere and every single round in which ramps up, Look, Brock Purdy showed himself, I think, to to be able to handle the moment against Seattle in what is would be the closest thing to a playoff atmosphere the Niners will face for the rest of this regular season. Um, so we won't get to see, unfortunately, until January. But to me, if they do need to prove anything, they just need to prove that they can stay healthy. Like that's the only thing that the Niners need to prove to me at this point. 
maybe how to handle a strong front four like Washington, maybe being able to, you know, kind of take care of or um, dominate a dual threat quarterback like Tyler, Taylor Heineke, maybe being able to hold a, you know, a Derek Carr and Devontae Adams led aerial attack and check. Um, maybe, but I, I think both of those things are, are stretches for me. The most important thing the Niners can do at this point outside of maybe Brock Purdy proving himself even more so over the last couple of weeks would be to get into the postseason with your entire roster as much as possible at 100%. And so even then, if the 49ers in these next couple of weeks before the postseason opt to kind of manage manage some stuff and you know guys aren't playing full snap counts and they maybe have a clunker or you know don't play up to par, I, it's also going to be tough for me to look at these games as anything more than table setters essentially for January in the postseason. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Niners have proven absolutely everything. Their defense is elite, best defense in the NFL. Their offense can put up points when they've needed to. Uh, the only thing that they have yet to prove, and this isn't just a this year Niners thing, it's a Kyle Shanahan era Niners thing, is their health. If they can prove that they can stay healthy, which you do that by just staying healthy over the final three weeks of the regular season, uh, that'll go a long way into the postseason. Uh, you did bring up something that I think is interesting. We can briefly touch on here and, and maybe dig into it more next episode on Wednesday. Uh, but you talked about maybe the Niners potentially easing back on some workloads the final three weeks. They have the division wrapped up. At the very worst, they'll be the three seed. The uh, one seed, believe it or not, is still technically there. If the Niners, if everything breaks the way of the Niners, they need to win out. They, the Eagles need to lose out. The Niners would then have the uh, the tiebreaker. Um, but the, the two seed and the three seed are, are the two very realistic options for the 49ers. Is it worth it? Let's say the Niners need to win out. Let's say Minnesota only loses one more game the rest of the way. Is it worth it, Evan, for the 49ers to kind of go balls to the wall, try to win all three of these games, to claim the two seed, or is a road game at Minnesota not too daunting for them that they are okay being the three seed and maybe potentially being a little healthier heading into the postseason? What do you think is is more valuable to the 49ers? I think health is more valuable. I do think that like a road, two road games on the way to a Super Bowl yeah. is tough for any team. And I do want to get into this more so on our Friday or our, on our Wednesday episode coming up this week. And then, of course, Friday before uh, Washington this upcoming weekend. But just first thoughts are the 49ers are as good as any team in the NFL when healthy. And that's the most important thing in my mind right now. So off of that, even if the two seed is within reach, and, it, and I think it will be, to me, that's more so going to be because of uh, Minnesota losing hold of it, which I think easily could happen. Or, or, you know, maybe the Eagles dropping a couple and other teams also not looking at these last few weeks as being incredibly important because Minnesota's got their division wrapped up. Philly, in all likelihood, will have the division mathematically wrapped up very soon. Like, I don't think you're going to see another 20-plus rush attempt game for Christian McCaffrey the rest of this regular season. That yeah. that's how I think Kyle Shanahan's going to approach it. Like, if we win, that's great. We'll do what we have to. But I'm not I'm not putting Chris Jeffrey or uh, Brandon Ayuk or 
Brock Purdy or our defense in a compromising situation before the postseason. I agree with you. Uh, I do think, however, the Niners do not need um, the Niners do not need to go kind of balls to the wall to win these three games. I think they can easily win these games and. And maybe that's disrespectful to the the Raiders who could be fighting for their lives. Same thing for the commanders. But I don't think the Niners need to, you know, kind of pull out all the stops like they did in Seattle with Christian McCaffrey's 32 touches. They can win all of these games without their best game. And then on the flip side, the Vikings have the Giants at home at Green Bay and at Chicago. Maybe not the most daunting three-game stretch, but none of those are gimmies either. So, could be difficult for the Vikings to close things out. Niners, I think, have a more favorable final three games. But to your point, I do agree. Health uh, isn't worth, uh, you know, getting two home games in- instead of just one. But we'll see how it all plays out, and-, and we'll break that down more on Wednesday. Yeah, no doubt. We'll get into that on our Wednesday episode as this concludes our, our Monday post non-Niners Sunday. But, of course, they won on Thursday. They got the division wrapped up. And uh, we are looking forward to seeing what happens the rest of this regular season as the Niners prepare for their third postseason trip in the last four years. A lot of exciting times in the Bay and uh, a lot of exciting times on the 415ers, as always, Mark. So I appreciate you um, appreciate you being with us, as always, here on uh, this Monday. Yes, sir. Looking forward to Wednesday already. All right, man. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the 415ers. Feel free to download, rate, and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy, and we'll talk to you next time.